Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Happy holidays, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. This is episode number 137. Today is Wednesday, December 18th, 2019. My guest for today's episode is Brandon Lim. Brandon is a food blogger here in New York City, and he is a curator of all things delicious throughout the five boroughs. Mm, I think we omitted Staten Island, so throughout the four of the five boroughs. He has a fantastic Instagram page, and he also has, in addition to his spreadsheet, a Google Maps listing so you can find out exactly where all these places are that he recommends that you go eat. Please go to the show notes for this episode to find those two things. So obviously we talk about a lot of recommendations in this one. There's some Cardi B talk because he just had a video with Cardi B on his Instagram trying out all sorts of delicious foods. So make sure you head on to the show notes and you check out the links to see Brandon's stuff. It's his hope and it's my hope that this conversation inspires you to go try something new. Listen, the holidays are upon us. Maybe you're coming home from school or from abroad or from another state. And you're like, mm, I love the holidays, but uh, honey ham again? A turkey again? Sugar cookies? Mm, they're good, but what I really want to try is some roadside balot. Or maybe... You want a steaming bowl of Thai boat noodles. Hopefully this conversation will propel you to try new things because it's 2019 and it is the year of trying new things. Well, I guess the year's over. So 2020 is the year of trying new things. So what you need to do is you need to go to this list and you need to make yourself like a little little weekend checklist, a weekly checklist, a year-long checklist. If you're in town just for the weekend, go check out his you know, top recommendations and become a patron of these amazing places to eat because then there will be even more of them. And you know what? Once we do that, we don't have to eat at Sabaros anymore or Subway. You won't have to go to Subway and leave Subway with that sub musk. We all know what that is. It's that smell that permeates throughout the street. I don't even know really what it is because nothing in there smells like that. If you take each, each ingredient like in its individual part, good God, I don't know what makes that smell. But you know what I'm talking about. The more we patronize good places, the less we have to see bad places. You get it. All right, I'm going to shut up now. Actually, no, I'm not. Go to the show notes for this episode and you will also see a link to my Patreon account. So instead of going and buying that $5 sub at Subway, send $5 my way and it will keep these conversations coming. That's patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. All right, everybody. Enjoy this conversation with Brandon Lim.
All right, Brandon. So first of all, thank you. This is really cool. Uh, I love talking food. I love talking with new people. So it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I also really love talking about food. I get really into it when the topic of food comes up, especially when it's with because where I work, sometimes the customers, they mention the food and I ask them, what do they like to eat? And I try to make recommendations for them because I know that some people, they don't exactly branch out as much as um, as I do personally. Mm. So I try to see if they've ever heard of a certain place and then I go from there and ask them if they want to find new places to go to. Can you talk about your day job? Well, like what you yeah, do? Yeah, so... Um, my mom owns a nail salon and I manage it for her. She oh, okay, has cool. Two locations. So that's what I do um, Tuesday through Saturday. Got you, got you. Somewhere up here. In, yeah, uh, it's in Harlem um, near the 145th Street Bridge on 7th Avenue. All right, awesome. So then I've seen you talk, like, refer to yourself as a food curator. Yes. Would you call yourself a blogger or a curator? Um, I feel like it's more of a blogger, but I curate in the sense that I do things digitally and I on my Instagram platform um, I create the way I curate my feed the way um, if um, companies reach out to me with their products in that sense ah so what yeah one thing I really like about it is you have like a, a Google Maps component yes I do I'm glad you mentioned that so yeah. previously um, I always I wanted to make a list of places I wanted to visit as ah. well as places I have, have visited because there's just so much in New York City that I often forget where I want to go or like when friends ask me, oh, where do you want to go eat? And I always draw a blank. So that's how that list created. So it didn't always start as a Google Maps. It started in my notes of my iPhone. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually... Um, Another Instagrammer, they also had a list, except they had an Excel where it was like by category. So I got motivated to create that Excel as well. So then I had by um, the borough, the type of cuisine, the type of like offerings they had, what they specifically specialize in, whether it was like um, like tacos or sandwiches specifically or just noodles if it was an Asian spot. Um, and it would have the price point. Well, not it would just have like similar to Yelp's price rating with the dollar mm. signs. But then um, my list got really, really, really long. Yeah, I've seen. And <laughs> it's really hard for people to read it on their phone. It's easier if you're on the computer and you know how to use Excel properly because you are able to create filters. Yeah. On specific. You can code it. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I recently found. Um, the list option and I created it for a different city and I was a little lazy to do it for New York City because I had so many locations but one day yeah, I was like you know I'm just gonna do it because it's really hard to send people to success list and the Google Maps is just so visually it'll show you where you are and places um, so this list doesn't exactly have everything on that Excel sheet because um, I only wanted to include places that I truly, truly recommend. Like I wouldn't have any issues of telling people to go try. And at the moment, I'm still working on it. I'm going to add like, so far I only added locations, multiple. If they have multiple, I added all of them. And I'm working to include comments such as what I like to order from here or if I don't enjoy everything from here, what I would try Mm. to avoid. And it's just easier to 
view on your phone because it'll it'll show all these pinpoints around you. Like if you're standing in East Village on St. Mark's, it'll show you quite a few spots alone. If you're on a lunch break, maybe you want to find something quick, yeah. it just might be right next to you. And it's just easy to navigate. For people who are um, traveling from different cities and they want to plan, maybe they just want to hit up spots that are convenient to where they're visiting for tourism, then that's how it would help. Because when I went to Toronto, I, I just made a quick list of mostly desserts because desserts are really fast. And I didn't exactly have a full plan because I wasn't really there for um, leisure. I was more there for work. So um, I literally bookmarked a lot of things before I went and I picked a certain place in like the city of Toronto and I would literally just walk down the block and if it was something was nearby, I would hit it up if I saw it on my map. So that's how I... Yeah, I love it, man. Um, Are you originally from New York? Yes. So I was born and raised in the Bronx, but um, through high school and stuff, I didn't actually like go out to Manhattan as often. Um, if I did, it would be like Times Square or mm-hmm. Rockefeller Center. But it wasn't until a few years ago, actually. So if you asked me five years ago, maybe even, like before college, um, where should I go eat? I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, man, that, that's a funny thing. Like, you know, because I, I work with kids and on, I've had kids say to me, like, uh, you know, on a Monday, I'll be like, what'd you do this weekend? And they're like, oh, there's nothing to do. I'm like, you live in New York City. But yeah. when you're a kid, you don't really leave your borough, which is kind of funny. Yes, it is that, like, exactly like that. So the, we definitely stayed in our borough. So people who live in Manhattan definitely have a different experience growing up than the other boroughs, especially if you're in Staten Island, which I personally have never been unless <laughs> I accidentally crossed the toe. <laughs> you only go by mistake. No, no. Uh, all love to uh, to Staten Island. But yeah, no, I understand. That. I, I, I got to be honest with you. Without a car, I don't even understand how you get there. Uh, you take the ferry. I think it's free. I'm pretty sure. They always mention the free ferry. But in the winter and when it's raining, yeah. I honestly don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, uh, or really I was thinking this, um, you mentioned Yelp. When I look at your Instagram, it's really positive. You're promoting stuff. Yes. It looks delicious. You look happy. So sometimes I won't exactly like everything yeah. from a certain spot, but there are things that I do like. So I try to um, center it around the things that they should order. And sometimes I might post it in my story, but I might not mention too much about it. Then you can gauge that oh, I probably wasn't like that interested in it or mm. it was maybe just okay. Maybe it was missing some components that would have made it better. So yeah, I try to keep it positive, positive, especially when the company is and the restaurant is inviting me. And Exactly. Yeah, I was wondering about that, man, because... Uh, maybe this is unfair to say, I don't know. But when I think of something like Yelp, I think about how there's a lot of negative reviews on there, right? Yes. As there are with like all sorts of platforms that allow you to comment somewhat anonymously, like you could just have an avatar and it's not actually you. Um, how do you feel about that like in, in, in regards to food? So I actually am not the hugest, hugest fan of like Yelp and Google reviews. Well, I haven't really looked much into TripAdvisor, but... People really do tend to only write reviews when it's negative. Yeah. Really, really negative. Like, I personally sometimes, I will admit 
that I'm like that too, but I feel bad and I feel like I have to balance the scales. So I'm like, let me go write these review, positive reviews um, in return to counteract all the negatives if I write them at all. So at most I will, I won't give them like one star unless I'm like, unless they like, it was really straight horrible, the service was horrible and they didn't even try in any way to remedy mm. my encounter. But um, I know some people also, you know, I read them. So I mostly look at the negative ones and I compare it. And if it's maybe about service and the food is, I hear the food is amazing, I might still go check it out. But I also read some reviews where they're like, oh, this place was so amazing. So good. Everything was amazing. And they give like three stars, which I, I don't like that. It's just misleading. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think, you know, I'm not, you know, uh, dropping any wisdom here. But a lot of people just want a platform to express their unhappiness in general in life. And (laughs) I think that sometimes that's what Yelp becomes. Yeah, I agree. And then um, there's like another line for the Yelp elites who they think they know everything and everything. (laughs) You know what's funny with that is oftentimes I'll see something. So this is a hypothetical, but it's really something like that I've seen before is let's say somebody comes from a Korean family and says, you know, I was born and raised in Seoul and uh, I'm eating at this Korean restaurant here in Bay Ridge. And man, Mm -hmm. this is not like back home. It's like, well, yeah, okay, but you're in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So sometimes I think sometimes when people want the authenticity that they remember like from uh, either back home or early in life, uh, they can be pretty harsh critics I think that that is a little bit more difficult because... Just because it is Korean food, there's mm. also different regions in Korea. Exactly, like, yeah. There's like the southern east part, the and it's just like As there is one degree it, in different. a lot of places, yeah. Yeah, like um, Vietnamese food is also mm-hmm. north and north south. and south, yeah. And in China, there's just so many yeah. different provinces. <laughs> there's like Cantonese cuisine, Sichuan cuisine. Yeah, there's so many that you just have to be mindful that the the chef or the person who curated the menu might not exactly be originating from where you grew up so it might be a little different or they might be um, they might obtain influences from that region and modify their food to cater to that yeah and I'm not trying to excuse anyone but I think sometimes people don't necessarily understand all that goes into running a successful food yeah. establishment mm-hmm. um, so yeah I'm with you like my, though other than for the podcast like I only have Instagram for for positivity. Yes. And so like if I'm adding somebody who's who's blogging about food, I want to see them interested in the food, not uh, Oh, yes. yeah. That is another another story for, uh, on Instagram. I feel like some people just do it for the free food and not necessarily um, not doing it for the right reasons. Well, like, how how often does that happen? Like how often, like so essentially, you know, when you have this is how marketing goes nowadays, right? Yeah. Like they're they're essentially buying, I know they're not paying you, but they're essentially buying your audience, right? They, By saying, are. come into our place, eat, and the hope is that you love it and you... So there's a lot of uh, controversy around it being, a, they call them food influencers. Mm-hmm. 
because um, some people they buy their followers. This was before um, yeah. they also buy likes. This was before some people. If you upgraded your app recently, then you don't see likes anymore. Well, you don't see other people's likes. Right. But if you have a, well, I don't know about a personal page, but a business page, you can still view your own personal insights and still see the likes. Although um, you don't also you also don't see views anymore. Except for IGTV, which is a little confusing why they still show the views for that as well if they took it out of the other portions. But um, there's a lot of controversy over and also people also personally reach out to restaurants trying Mm. to get free food. And that happens as well. Yeah. I mean, I get it and I don't get it. Um, I was thinking, though, Brandon, like, you know, with with access to to platforms now like everyone has it right yeah. it, i could i could pull out my phone right now and there are podcast apps that i could just be talking into yeah which is an amazing thing um so what made you choose food like you could this is ridiculous but you <laughs> could be an expert figure skater or archer or this or that uh what made you say hey i'd like to let people know about the food in new york city um, well, back then when Instagram first came out, I was not as active on it. Like I had an account, but I never exactly updated it as often. Mm. Um, and I would post food, but I wouldn't post it as often. So growing up, food was always very popular in my family. Like my, my grandma would cook every day and I often she would help tell me to help her out. So when I went off to college... Um, I wouldn't say I was still the an amazing cook, so as I wasn't doing everything that I can do now. But the food was not the best. I also went to school in Vermont, so the lack of um, diverse cuisine uh-huh. was non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I did. Um, also, the diversity there, people-wise, was yeah. not as diverse. Um, so I stuck to the people of color. I made friends from Dominican backgrounds and stuff. And, cool. you know, New York City has a lot of Dominican, Puerto Rican food. So yeah, of course. I would also ask them how to make certain things. I would go on YouTube because I grew up eating um, a lot of Spanish food because my, my, there's a lot around my mom's nail salon where I work now that I grew up eating because it was a block away. And yeah, yeah. I don't know the first time I've ever... I don't remember the first time I encountered Spanish food and ate it, but... I just know that I grew up eating it and I enjoyed it. Also, Jamaican food. I remember always going to Golden Crust. And not that I ever learned how to make Jamaican food in general. I'm just mentioning uh, I grew up eating a lot of diverse food. So when I went to Vermont, it was both a culture shock of not having access to so many things. New York City, specifically the Bronx, even like certain parts of Manhattan, there's mm. corner stores or bodegas. So going to Vermont, yeah. it's like none. <laughs> So I've always, um, I've always had a love for food growing up. I would watch the Food Network and idolize all the celebrity chefs. Cool. Um, yeah, I just always loved food. So when I first, um, when I graduated, is that when I? I think I did it maybe a year after I graduated college. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna start posting every day. The photos weren't always the best because I had. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know food influencing was a thing. I didn't know that it was such a saturated market that so many people were also doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know anything about lighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just taking pictures to take pictures, you know, to share what I'm eating. It was the first time um, I, I mentioned all these people all the time because of the people I know who do food. But 
Uh, I was in, um, where was I? In Elmhurst, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I met uh, Greg, who does Food and Footprints. Um, I don't know how she pronounces her Instagram handle, but it's like Justasian, G-U-S. I think it's Gustasian. Gustasian, okay. Okay. I also I also know her. Yeah, yeah, well. I've seen that. Yeah, um, and like she she's got a great feed as well. Yes. But when I was hanging out with them, like they also put out lights. I was like, whoa, yeah. But it totally makes sense because I also took a picture of my food just with my camera. And I was like, this looks kind of like dark and uh, unappetizing. <laughs> yeah. So back then, when I first started, if I really wanted to go try something at a restaurant, I would avoid going at night uh-huh. because I never had a portable LED light, which I I do now. And I didn't get until like six months later when I seen everyone having. At first, I thought it was crazy. I was like, "What in the world? They, those those lights look so big. That's crazy." <laughs> and also going back to Gustation, um, I really like her page because she has a lot of annotations and she goes deep thoroughly into the cuisine. Like, I have a pretty extensive background regarding um, certain Asian cuisines, but then she also goes into it's deep, awesome. deep, deep history for certain things yeah. that I don't even I'm not even aware about. So I'm also learning. While going through her feed, and I really love that. Yeah, I love it too, man. She you she can never stop learning, and especially uh, since I really, really love food. Um, that is the one thing that I will, I, I I hate reading, but if it's about <laughs> food, I will I will probably read it. <laughs> so we're in New York City. Um, what borough? These are fighting words, but what borough has the best food? I feel like the most. Diverse would probably be Queens mm-hmm. as of late. There's just so much. Um, like you wouldn't think that there's a Koreatown there, but there actually is yep. on the side of Flushing. So if you're looking at the map and Manhattan is on the west side, you got to go east of Flushing to find the Koreatown that is there. Then you go to Elmhurst. It's just so diverse in Elmhurst and Jackson Heights. Um, I personally never had ne- Nepalese food. Mm-hmm. Where they have momos, which are essentially dumplings, just um, their variety from their culture and um, Jackson so Heights Woodside, yeah. Gustavian, they actually took me. Well, this is actually after I've already. Well, actually, that's the first time I met them. They were they just reached out and they were like, we use we talked all the time through DMs, and then they were like, let's have a momo tour. Hell yeah. So that's what we did and we've been pretty good friends since and we've gone on a second one after that and I will admit that I probably would have never went by myself. So now I recommend it to everyone else. Yeah, Queens um, especially that area like like Woodside, Jackson Heights, there's a lot of really small area, like little small places yeah. that are amazing and, and both of those people you just mentioned do a really good job of curating that neighborhood as well. I think every borough is, well, <laughs> aside from the Bronx and Staten Island, well, I don't really know much what's on Staten Island, but I think every borough has its, it's pretty diverse food-wise. Yeah. I, I can't just say, oh, Manhattan isn't diverse, but it is probably more commercialized and they have less, especially with the recent real estate and stuff, it's really hard to run a restaurant, especially with the rent prices. Oh, yeah. I feel like more commercial brands are coming in and pushing out the mom and pop shops, whereas in Brooklyn and Queens, they are they still can afford the rent. 
For now, yeah. But there's so many food halls now that it's pretty diverse. How do you feel about food halls? I feel like they can work. They work pretty well. But the marketing in terms of them sometimes may not be as well. Like some people don't know about them. Yeah. Like what's that? Urban space. Mm-hmm. They have the, well, I wouldn't really call it a food hall, but food markets where they're outside um, seasonally. So they have various locations throughout the city. They have one that pops up near Madison, Madison Square Park. One that pops up on like Broadway next to Times Square. They have the Bryant Park one, Windsor Village. I believe that's that's them as well. And the food is some most of it's pretty decent, but the pricing wise it's a little rocky. But going back to Queens, the Queens Night Market, that one, people yeah. tend to say it's really diverse. You can literally find cuisines from like Everywhere. Yeah. That's where I've met people for this podcast. Yeah. There's a Bronx night market, isn't there? Yeah, there is. But it doesn't happen as often. Okay. I personally have never been, and it's definitely on a smaller scale. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of kids out in the hallway. Uh, If somebody's coming to New York and you have to recommend one thing, like it could be what you think is like the quintessential New York food, whatever it is, that you're like, you have to eat this before you leave town. What would you say that is? I can never answer that question, actually. I always ask them, what do you like to eat? What Mm. is your favorite cuisine? I can't just, I don't think there's one pure spot that you just got to be like, you got to go here. I feel like maybe by category, there's spots, maybe not even the one spot, but like maybe top five. It's just so hard. There's just so many and, you know, they hold their own ground. It's funny because I think I might have talked about this. I had Emmanuel Pineda on here, who's Mm -hmm. the hungry Dominican. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Um, And I was thinking about this. I think we talked about this, but for me, it's not glamorous. Um, It's not the tastiest thing even. But to like have a New York experience, you mentioned it, a bodega. Like go into a bodega and get a bacon, egg and cheese, a sandwich or a beef patty. It's because it's like it's what (laughs) it's what everyone does It's what every working person does. Every kid goes and gets a school special in the morning, like an iced tea and a bacon, yeah, egg, and cheese. Arizona iced tea. Yeah, just because of the convenience of it, because they're everywhere. They're on, like, literally right here. There's one on every corner. Yeah. And it's cheap. And that, to me, is a really New York thing. Like yeah. you talked about, if you're up in Vermont, likely you have to drive to get around. <laughs> yeah. But in New York, you can head to the nearest corner and there's a bodega. Yeah, and it's just so easy to travel in New York City alone. Yeah. For sure. But if they were to say, like, the New York, New York experience, I would probably be like, you got to get pizza, you got to get bagels. Okay. So, I've got to follow up. What's the pizza place they need to go to? Oh, you're asking for, like, in the future. Well, I really like Mama's, too, on the Upper West Side. Okay. So, it's actually, if you go straight across the... Yeah, right <laughs> across Broadway, the park. Literally, and 105th and Broadway. Oh, okay. I really like their pizza, so they don't have the traditional um, triangle slices, and it's not thin crust. It's The dough is like focaccia bread, mm-hmm. and wow. the cheese like seeps under, and it gets nice and crusty. And my favorite slice from there... Well, I have many favorite slices, but one that I never thought I would like is the peach and... Pear and gorgonzola, my bad, not peach. Pear and gorgonzola with hot honey. And they actually make the hot honey themselves. It's not Mike's hot honey. Maybe in the beginning it was, but now I definitely notice a difference. Um, But I honestly usually am not a fan of gorgonzola because it's such a strong cheese. 
Like, I like that fake blue cheese from our buffalo wings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about, so there's a place in Astoria called Brooklyn Bagel. I know it's not Brooklyn, um, but I love their bagels. Mm-hmm. And to me, like a toasted everything bagel with cream cheese and lox is my favorite and, and red onion. Yeah. What's what's your bagel spot? And because if you come to New York, you have to have a bagel. Right. I agree. What's your bagel um, spot? And like, how do you how do you take the bagel? I definitely like everything bagels as of recently as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite bagel spot. Well, I, I will admit that I don't actually eat bagels as often. But yeah, same actually, <laughs> same. But back in the days, I actually would go to one of the local spots near my house, which is unfortunately closed now. And I actually never even knew what lox was back then. But talking about the present now, I can't say I've had in the past year a bagel. <laughs> but I do like, um, what is that place called? It's in, um, it's in like Whitestone, Queens, technically flushing. Ooh, yeah, Utopia bagels. So I first found out about them on BuzzFeed Worth It. Where okay. It's a YouTube series where they go to three different price points for the category. So it was a bagel category. And I was like, okay, well, some of the places they went to I really like, so I'm going to check it out. And I really enjoyed it there. But in the city, I've heard people talk about Essa Bagel. Mm. I've heard people talk about Absolute Bagel. Um, somebody recommended me Kosar's in the Lower East Side for their Bialis, which I don't believe I've ever had. Uh, I think that it's all up to personal preference, but what I like about in a bagel is it's not too dense. Like some places they make it like thick as a donut. Yeah. <laughs> but I like them pretty nice bite to it. Not and some bagels you can tell that it's really cheap by it has this weird aftertaste. And it has to be toasted. Not like toasted to where it's hard. Just like even lightly toasted would be good. You just know it. That it's a good bagel. I like it. I used to be, um, I used to like the novelty of what I thought was like adventurous, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I would always, especially when traveling, like seek out the thing that seemed wild, right? Which yeah. now, like, in hindsight, can sometimes be kind of demeaning because, you know, people make use of the ingredients that they have in places around the world. Yes. Um, but, I don't have a great stomach in terms of <laughs> my my fortitude, I guess. Uh, so I've I've calmed that down a bit. Like I was curled up in a ball in Manila, projectile vomiting balut, and oh, I was like, maybe I'm surprised you even tried that <laughs> from a roadside cooler. No, not Manila in Cebu. Uh, from a roadside cooler, which was really the problem because it probably had been sitting out all day in the sun. Um, but like I used to also do that in New York. So I'm thinking that like, I don't, I guess it's fair to call these things novelty items. Right. So I'm, I'm switching from that to things like, uh, New Yorkers like, Oh, we've got rainbow donuts, uh, not uh, rainbow bagels, bagels now yeah. or cheeseburgers with a buns or glazed donuts. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about novelty things like that? I feel like they can be a hit or miss. Uh-huh. Like I don't. Like, I've had the Rainbow Bagel before from, I think it's called the Bagel Spot. And it's definitely slightly sweeter, so it'd probably go with the more sweet cream cheese that they offer. But I don't, like, see myself craving them as often. Maybe I just want to try it to see the hype. 
because there's like a lot of foods that have hype behind it where you just see it all over social media and it's trending. There's lines all the time you see it and sometimes it's worth it, sometimes it's not. So I myself, um, or if it is a long line, I probably wouldn't wait on it unless I hear from personal friends that it tastes good. So I personally don't like lines. (laughs) Yeah, same. And I also just, I guess for me, it's more like this is cool in the moment. Right. Probably because it's like salt, sugar, fat overload and my endorphins are going out of control. Yeah. But I know the price that I'm going to pay from eating a cheeseburger (laughs) squished between two donuts and it's not worth it anymore at this point in my life. Yeah. Like a few years ago um, when Blacktop first came out with their crazy milkshakes, Everybody was online for it. People weren't even going for the burgers or anything, but they were just going for the crazy milkshake because it just looked insane. But now these days, you know, maybe it's because they have more locations. I'm not exactly sure, but there's no more lines for them. I think it might have to do with the, you know, it faded out. as Things were on their course, yeah. Yeah, some things they just don't last as, you know, it's just in the moment. You are the dessert king. Yeah, so um, I love my desserts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've gone to basically, if I see a new spot opening and it's unique, I will go try it out myself. And um, I've been to most of the ice cream spots (laughs) and all the dessert spots. I will say that some open and close so fast that sometimes I don't even have time to go try them. Is that just because of the the sheer volume of them? Because there's so many? I think that it's that and probably they picked the wrong location. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, the market is just so saturated these days that you have to find something that, you know, if you're the first one, you're the first one. But if you don't, if it's not good, then no one else is going to follow you. But then if they do follow you, then it becomes more saturated. And if you're in a bad location, then that kills you as well. All right, donuts. Um Sometimes places get so popular that they become uncool, mm-hmm. but, but I don't care. I, when I lived in, I lived in Sunnyside and I would have to drive kind of up to like Manhattan Ave, Greenpoint, Williamsburg area to get down to Red Hook where I was working at the time. And I would pass by uh, Peter Pan Donuts. So I would go to Peter Pan Donuts yeah. and get people at work loved Red Velvet and they had these Red Velvet Donuts and these chocolate donuts and they were awesome. Uh, where are you going for donuts in New York? <laughs> so donuts you're, the, you're the dessert king, so <laughs> I have so to ask. Despite eating so many desserts, I actually, it's not that I don't like donuts. Uh-huh. I just don't have a craving for it. Sometimes um, they can be too doughy for me or I can't eat the whole thing, so I probably won't get it. But one of those donuts that I do like is the creme brulee donut from the donut plant. Because Where's that? So they have many locations. They have one here, the Barclays Center. They have one. Mm. Well, they have a few in Manhattan. They have one, I think, on 23rd Street and maybe next to 8th Avenue. I'm not entirely sure. I think they have one on the Lower East Side. But the donut isn't that big. And they have, like, caramelized sugar on the outside that they probably torch. And the inside has cream. So you crack into it. Whoa. And the cream oozes out. And as much as, you know. It's like a Cadbury egg. (laughs) It sounds like just for the looks, but that is one of my favorites. But I honestly, I don't really... You're an ice cream guy? Yeah. Is that it? I like ice cream. I like cakes and I like other... There's a lot of unique desserts out there that I will go for. 
Like the past year, I was really obsessed with Japanese shaved ice when um, this spot called Banzai Kakigori opened up. And prior to that opening up, I just, I never knew that every culture basically has their own variety of shaved ice. Mm. But this one was, it was just so light and it wasn't like a snow cone where it was super icy and you would have to bite the ice just to eat it. It was just literally melt in your mouth. Wow. Yeah. And other cultures like Koreans, they have their own shaved ice called bingsu. Oh. Taiwanese also have their own shaved ice. But the bingsu one, it's sometimes on the milky, on the milk creamy side, cream-based, opposed to the Japanese one where it's um, all ice-based. The base is ice, and they flavor with syrup, and they actually, bonsai actually makes their syrups in-house, so it's not artificial. And I've grown to enjoy all the shaved ice now. <laughs> so anywhere I go, I seek out the shaved ice. When I went to New Orleans, they have, I think they're called snowballs. Ah, uh, yeah. I remember. So they, I tried it there. But there it's made with artificial syrups. But I picked the one that I like the most, which is cherry. <laughs> I think you have a picture of maybe, I think it's California where you have hollow hollow. Oh, yes. Um, which if, I, oh my God, how do I even... There's like some shaved ice in there, some yeah. ice cream, some... So the one I had in California had like 13 to 16 different ingredients. There you go. It has like jackfruit, yep. it has flan, it has ube ice cream, it has lots of jellies, coconut jellies, and a large variety of jellies. And basically, halo halo meat in Filipino just means to mix mix, so you just got to mix everything yeah. together. And that one is actually my top... Top, top, hollow, hollow that I've ever... So that's my question because I, I, I had it in the Philippines. Is there, a, like, is there a spot in New York? Yeah, there's definitely a spot in New oh. York, but most of the Filipino restaurants, they might, well, not most, but some of them will definitely offer it. Mm, but in terms of it being amazing, some of them might okay. not put in as much effort into it. Like they definitely don't have 13 <laughs> toppings and ingredients incorporated in in those, the ones in New York City. Uh, Jollibee, the Filipino fast food chain, which is similar to like Popeye's and KFC. Wait a second, I have Filipino to interrupt you. fried chicken. There's a Jollibee in New York City? What? There's two Jollibees. There's Hold one on in, a second, dude. <laughs> I want to say Astoria, but not. maybe it might be Astoria. I'm not exactly sure. Oh, I'm crying. And there's also one in Midtown. <laughs> All right, so I'll have to, I've talked, I believe I talked about this on here. I'm crying because I'm laughing already. There was a night when, I, the, the night that I ate the balut. So I got a little too brave. Oh my God. I went out with my buddy Kevin in Cebu and we got like pretty tame. We got some skewers and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, we had a couple of beers at a place. And then we met some folks that we were hanging out with and we got the balut. And then we went to Jollibee and we were like, whatever, man, like, let's get everything, <laughs> right? Yeah. So like this, this sweet spaghetti with hot dogs, mm-hmm. a burger, everything. And then it was the World Cup, I believe. And we were driving back. It was like 2 a.m. And it started. I was like, something's happening to my body. Right. And the next three days, I'm just like, I'm sprawled out in bed. So I have horrifying memories of my my mental association with Jollibee. 
Um, I think there's someone at the door, but they can just come in. We can just ignore them. Okay. Um, but I know that you could come on in. It's cool. You can, uh, you're in the background of a podcast right now. It's okay. <laughs> but I know that Filipinos look, look at Jollibee with great reverence. They do. Um, I feel like it's one of those things that if you grow up eating it and you're going to love it. Yeah. Because, um, I've gone and I was like, okay, this is fine. But I like, but my sister, she loves it. Um, I don't really see much. Um, anything like enticing about it, but you know, it's just good. It's good fast food, but their halo halo, I wouldn't say is the the best. Like if you're craving halo halo, do not go there. <laughs> I can't. You blew my mind that it's in New York. Where? What neighborhoods is it in? Yeah, so they definitely have one in Midtown. I don't exactly what? know for sure where because I forgot. I want to say it's around the 30s or 40s, but the one in um, this it's definitely in Queens. Um, that was the first one. I believe it's around Astoria. Really? Yeah. It's definitely oh under the train, for sure. It's really small, but literally you go in there and you, all you see is Filipinos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know that it got to be on point because all the Filipinos, you know, but they all grew up eating it, you know, so they love it. That's amazing. I'm going to have to go now. I'm going to have to. So, Kevin, if you're listening, we're going to have to go. Um, I actually never even heard of Jollibee until maybe this past two years. Really? Yeah. Whew, yeah, that was a that was a tough few but days. But I think for you, um, I think it was probably <laughs> the roadside balu yeah. <laughs> that really killed it for you. <laughs> so hopefully you don't take any offense to what Jollibee what happened with Jollibee. <laughs> do take you, it personal. Can you get balu in New York City? You can actually. So the Queens Night Market has it. There's also certain Filipino restaurants around East Village that sells it. But. I personally feel like it's overpriced because I grew up eating it, but I didn't. I never knew it as balut because um, in Cambodian and Vietnamese culture, they also eat it. There's um, there's a chicken variety, yeah, and there's a duck variety. And recently, I learned that they have a quail variety. Whoa! Yeah, I was watching somebody's trip in Vietnam and they were eating a quail balu. I was like, what? That is crazy. So my favorite part, um, growing up, I will say that I did eat everything except the whites because it's like so hard. And even as a young child, I don't know. I don't know why I was like, sometimes I'd be skeptical if there's like feathers. I'd be like, mm, I probably won't eat the the embryo today. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's totally a texture thing. Like when you, when you it's kind of veiny too. That freaked me out a little bit. But like the taste is fine. And, My favorite and, is definitely the yolk. Yeah, like so I didn't. Creamy. I actually enjoyed it in terms of taste. Like I didn't. Uh, I'm trying to sell myself a little better here. I didn't get <laughs> nauseous from eating it, but it it was like spoiled for sure because I was I was laid right. out. Um, also, I don't. I didn't grow up eating it the same way Filipinos eat it. Okay. So when I grew up eating it, I would. Um, we would remember which side to position the egg. So when we crack it, it would just be like oh. that thin film. And when you puncture it, it's just like liquid in there, like yeah, water. Yeah. So that was like one of the best parts. We would eat it with a mixture of lemon, um, lime juice, salt, and pepper. And Sometimes vinegar or something too. Like a, maybe yeah, that's how, they, um, that's how Filipinos yeah. eat it. Okay, but yeah. I used um, the lime, black pepper, and salt. Oh, that's interesting. And I eat it with a spoon. So they peel it. They literally uh, yeah. peel it and just eat it eat with it, their yeah, hand. Yeah. So maybe that's why I was more willing to eat it. Because, uh-huh. you know, if you eat it with a spoon, it's in small amounts and you don't know. 
you don't really see the whole thing. So I think that's why some people are freaked out about it. So I introduced one of our friends to it at the Queen's Night Market. She was willing to try it. So I was like, try eating it with the spoon. It'll probably help. And it helped. Will she eat it again? I don't <laughs> think she will, but she tried it. There's a, um, I like the YouTube uh, show, I guess, uh, Hot Ones. Oh, yes. And I've they, watched a few episodes. Yeah. Uh, it's entertaining. They do something called Explain That Gram. Mm-hmm. So I went through and I want, I, I, there's two pictures I wanted to reference and I want to just hear about this food experience. Okay. Um, going through my notes here. Yeah. Okay. So there's a place that you went called Pizza Barn in Yonkers. Oh, yeah. And you got a mac and cheese slice that's the size <laughs> of your torso. Uh, so I was wondering about this experience, like how many people are supposed to eat that, how much that cost. So that specific one was about $35. Holy shit. Yeah, if you, if you get one of the simpler ones, like if you get a plain one, I think it's like 15 Or if okay. you get one topping on it, it's maybe 18 Same size, just, you know, at the same time, you are paying for all of that mac and cheese yeah. on top of the dough. You could feed an army with that, yeah. <laughs> it was really heavy. So that wasn't the first time I went, actually. The first time I went, I got a pepperoni slice. So some people, when they hold it up, because I've seen people hold it up without the tray under, but they literally have to let it get like really cooled down and cold uh-huh. in order for to even lift it up like that. But and it's like legitimately heavy. I was there to eat it too, but I wasn't <laughs> going to wait for it to get cold. <laughs> but um, Did it taste good? That's what matters, huh? Yeah, it was pretty good. I just felt like the mac and cheese maybe just needed a little more seasoning. Like I definitely liked the pepperoni one more. Okay. But aside from that, I think it's worth, you know, checking out. It is. It definitely feeds a lot of people. But if you're really hungry, then maybe five people could finish one if they really wanted to. Or you could feed a, definitely feed a whole family. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude. People need to go go through your Instagram and scroll back to that. Because actually, if, if it's cool, I'm going to use that as the, as the episode release picture. I would love to do that. No problem. That's an amazing. Cool, cool. All right. There's another one. I didn't write down this place, but I'm sure you'll know. If you describe it, I can probably. Cool. Uh, I'm sure you'll know right away. You ate dessert and it was uh, chocolate-filled syringes. Oh, what so that in one the is world actually is from Max Brenner. It's um, chocolate ganache inside the disposable syringe. So Max you Brenner. Just push it out. Yeah. Yeah. So some people, they could just squeeze it into your mouth or you can squeeze it on top of another dessert. Um, it's by Max Brenner. They also sell it um, when they're at the winter market. It's about $5 for it. Um, if you wanted to, you can also make it at home if you know how to make chocolate ganache. But you definitely have to heat it up if you want it to be liquidy again because ganache usually hardens up uh-huh. when it gets... It doesn't harden up as fast as when you're melting chocolate, like chocolate chips, because those have a lot of... Well, you can make ganache with chocolate chips, but it's also made with heavy cream, whereas if you just melt chocolate chips, it just has a lot of cocoa butter that eventually it'll firm up pretty fast, like when you're making chocolate-covered strawberries. But you can get it at Max Brenner in Union Square. They actually specialize in chocolate. I don't know if, I think those tubes are pretty real. So they basically have like pipes and tubes running around the restaurant where Whoa, I've never been there, really huh? flows through. Yeah. yeah, so that's where I tried it out at. But one of the things I really like there are the celebration waffles. So they have like dessert waffles where you can get like just one piece where it's one flavor, or you can get three of them. Three different flavors, and it comes with sparklers, so you can feel like it's your <laughs> birthday every day. Is it like what people would think of as like a Belgian waffle, like a big? Um, 
I think it's pretty similar okay. like to waffle and dinges, but maybe not as thick. Gotcha. But it's also not like an Eggo waffle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say it's just a regular waffle that's, you know, you can make it in the one of those griddles. All right, cool. All right, so I have to ask about this. I first, again, like we're talking about all these people and what I love about them is um, they all sort of curate in a sense. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another thing. Like I just had um, a woman named Sasha Turrentine on the podcast and she's a photographer and a mountain climber. And her and the crew that she runs with, they're always like promoting each other. And so it's great for me yeah. because as someone that's just interested in stuff, I can go from person to person and check out the cool things they're doing. Right. And that's what I love about like the food crew in New York is that I get to find people through other people. Yeah. And we mentioned mentioned uh, Gustasian. She in a uh, Insta story had been talking about you, and that's how I found out about you. And it was mm-hmm. because you were hanging out with Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what like is the genesis of that friendship? What is going on? Yeah. So my mom does her nails and has been doing them for the past seven years. No. But that was the first time she she reached out and uh, she she watches a lot of mukbang videos where essentially um, you eat lots of food in front of camera. Generally, a lot of YouTubers do it and they they do it while talking about their daily lives. And it originated from Korea. South Korea, I believe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she also really likes ASMR. So a lot of the muk- really? mukbang videos, um, they they have a lot of like foods that will like ca- create a lot of ASMR yeah. sounds like the crunches Sizzle, or maybe. Yeah. yeah okay. So she she sent me a few videos and I was like, oh, you can actually get that here in New York City. And. I was like, I can actually get you some of these. So I got some of them and we made the video. Dude. <laughs> I got her. Um, so she definitely never tried any of those. So I was like, oh, I can get that in Queens. And then there was also one that I know she wanted to try, which is Tanghulu, which is um, the Chinese um, the Chinese way where they cover fruits in sugar. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a syrup that eventually hardens and crystallizes. It's not caramel because it doesn't reach caramelization. It's just clear. But I went to Flushing and there was one spot where I only knew that they had it. But it just looked really ugly. And I was like, I don't know. But I, I bought it anyways. I just bought one. Then I went home. I was like, you know, I'm just going to make it. So I, I watched one of these mukbang videos where she actually has another video where she teaches you how to make it. So I, I literally learned it on the spot how to make it. It didn't come out as translucent, but also because I made it several, several hours ahead and the sugar basically heats the fruit up. And if you ever heat it fruit up, you know that the juices like leak out and stuff. Like when people make um, fruit pies. Uh-huh. So it was like leaking and I think the the moisture was like, Melting the sugar at the same time, <laughs> but she at the end she um she, we was able to salvage one of them and she really liked it. That's so that's awesome, man. Um, like you raced all around the city and got like you put all this together. Yeah, so I also got um other foods that I felt that she should try that she's never had before, like Peking duck from Flushing, where. It was also featured on BuzzFeed Worth It, but I also grew up eating it because back in the days it was just one dollar. Now it's still pretty cheap, one twenty-five. Yeah, and it's like 
the best spot to go if you want um, dim sum to go or even if you're just short on cash and you just want a quick snack because it's only 125 So I got some items from there and I got these. Um, she sent me these um, Thai jellos. It's not like American jello where it's like gelatin and super, super sweet and soft and squishy. They're made with tapioca starch, I believe. It's mix, It's like a mix of tapioca starch and glutinous rice flour flavored with pandan, which is a popular oh, yeah. Southeast Asian um, Love it. flavor that's similar. It's like uh, earthier vanilla. It's really fragrant. So I got her some of those and she really liked it. Man, like I was laughing at it because she's like, I want to try the fucking duck. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, this this needs to the, be a show. Like what I like about her is her willingness to try new things. And even though she knew she didn't like duck, she tried it anyways. Oh, okay. So I really like that fact. I'm like, because you were so sort of serious and deadpan kind of. I was like, <laughs> this would be an amazing show like a youtube show branding <laughs> and, and, and cardi um yeah. dang like what did that uh did that do a lot in sort of promoting the feed um it did because she had it on her page and it definitely oh that's really cool her. Page up. <laughs> yeah, yeah of course man yeah oh that's cool so next time i definitely want to try to get her to try durian <laughs> oh oh wait okay 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 i'm so glad you just said that so um, I think pe I, when people are like, ah, oh, it's so stinky, I think that's for the uninitiated. I think that's for people who really don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, it stinks. But yeah. it, w one of my favorite things, I love Indonesia. Um, mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite places in the world. And one of my favorite things to do would be on an afternoon, we go to the market or we go wherever, wherever it's sold. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's like these like street side carts, which are like piles of durian. And I have a friend who's like really good at picking out the good ones without it being cracked open yet. Wow. I don't know how. I need to learn that. Yeah. Stuff. She's like, I, she, she was like, oh, I get it from my dad. Um, but I love it. Just sitting there eating the durian. You're like washing your hand. Like they'll yeah. leave you a piece with water. You wash your hands in it. And it's kind of like custody and cheesy if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's really creamy yeah. and custody. I freaking love durian. Yeah. One of my favorite ways to eat it is half frozen because it's almost like ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I also grew up um, where we we turned it into a custard and we poured it over sticky rice. So it was very sticky rice. Is there somewhere <laughs> to get that? Um, definitely not in New York City, but um, I have gotten it um, when I visit my aunt in Rhode Island. There's like this, Whoa, I think this Cambodian really? mar food market where they do sell it. So all right, so that's what, oh man, this is awesome. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, it's not from this part of the world. You know, which, you know, a lot of food sources aren't, but mm -hmm. uh, it, is there a place to go in New York City to eat it as you would in that manner? Like, Durian specifically? Yeah. Uh, there Just are like, definitely a lot of places that sell it, like specifically in Chinatown or in Flushing. Um, some places they will already cut it up for you and sell it in the, the white Tupperware. Yeah. Like if you go to takeout, it would be in that one for about 10 to $15. Um, some supermarkets have it in the freezer section. I generally had good experiences with those, but sometimes it might not be, you don't know if it's going to be sweet or not, but I love durian. Yeah, man. <laughs> For yeah. my friends who've never tried it, I feel like I wouldn't want them to try it without me trying it first and approving of the quality yeah, of the for ones sure. they're eating. Cause I don't want to ruin their first experience. Like when the cronuts first came out in New York city, 
Um, then Dunkin' Donuts came out with it. I refused to try it anywhere else until I went to Dominic Ansel. But then again, I never wanted to go because of the lines. But you can also pre-order it now. But there was just one day where I went a Friday in the summer and they asked. They were like, would you like to buy one? Mind you, this was like in the afternoon and in the summer. I was like, is this real? Like, how is it not sold out by now? So I bought it and I tried it and I actually really loved it. And I wouldn't try it anywhere else. <laughs> There's a... I've seen you've eaten it, Kopi TM. Yes. Uh, you were just making me think because they have like a they have a sticky rice with a yeah. yogurty custardy. So it's like a coconut sugar, coconut yeah. palm sugar. So the first time I tried that was at the Hester Street Fair when. Um, oh yeah, I've been there. Baby NY, the one Mike Chow. He, yeah. He had a food festival where he curated all these vendors, all his favorite vendors to um, vend there and. You know, I was eating like so much, um, not savory, yeah, savory. I was eating so many savory things already that on my way out, I was like, you know, I've always wanted to try them. Let me try this dessert. And it was life-changing. I highly recommend it. It's um, sticky rice with the coconut palm sugar on top, and it's dyed with butterfly pea, so it's blue. Yeah. And it's amazing. I'll tell a quick story. I told this on the podcast maybe two and a half years ago, so... I haven't thought about it really until now. So if if the story doesn't match up entirely with two and a half years ago, it's because it's, <laughs> time has gone by. So I'm sorry, but I was in um, I was in Laos mm-hmm. and I wanted to cr- in Luang Prabang and I wanted to cross over the Mekong and, and go north a little bit just just to wander for the day. And they, there were these flat barge boats and. Um, Everything was in, you know, uh, Laotian character. So I, I didn't know how yeah. to read the language. And I just sort of f- figured it out. And I met this Canadian couple and we crossed over together. Mm-hmm. And we were there for the day walking around. It's pouring sweat. These kids, like, in exchange for some candy, took us into this cave with these Buddhist relics and stuff like that. It was just a really freaking awesome day. And I remember thinking, like, I don't know how I'm going to get back. Like, there's no <laughs> schedules. There's no nothing. Right. And I go down. It's muddy. The, at one point, this cow was eating my shorts. And I'm just like, this is so wild. But there were these <laughs> these women who were, you know, they were uh, grandmothers, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they were sitting on the, on the shore with these, uh, like, palm leaf baskets. And they had banana leaf packets and I'm like what's that mm-hmm. and we didn't have a common language so we couldn't really talk but I pulled out some coins and they pointed at what I owed them so I just gave it to them <laughs> they gave it to me and it was the sticky rice with the custard yeah and I was like this is a godsend right now like this is the best thing I've ever had in this moment as I'm sweaty and I'm starving and kind of lost and I couldn't replicate that Again, until I went to Kopitiam and I yeah. went there and I was like, That's oh, because, this um, is it. They, they steam it with the banana leaf, which adds, ah. it definitely adds fragrance and flavor. Um, in my video, there was actually this um, sticky rice where it was steamed in the banana leaf. And Cardi does mention that she did taste the, the flavors that derived from the leaf. And it was, it was amazing. Please make that a series, man. <laughs> like I know she's a major touring artist, but if she gets her nails done there, do do like once every six months or so. Do like a yeah. She's li- she's literally so busy that it's hard yeah. to even. It's hard to keep her in one spot. 
<laughs> so I was grateful as it is that she she took time out of her night to make the video with me like she did her own makeup because she doesn't like to be photographed if she's not in makeup because, you know, everything about her is publicized these days. So I wouldn't want a ugly photo of me up at either. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day, she is um, all, all celebrities are just like everyone else. You know, we got to look good for the camera. I've got another New York City recommendation that I need. Yeah. This one goes out to my friends in Brunei, my friends in Indonesia, and the godfather, the Yoda, to my Luke Skywalker is my buddy Kevin mm-hmm. down in Bay Ridge. All these people I mentioned love noodles. Yeah. And I'm not talking about pasta. I'm talking about noodles. Yes. In New York City, any, any culture, any cuisine, even if you have to do top two, uh, because you can't narrow it down. Where are you going for noodles? Oh, that's easy, but it's also hard. Yeah, because man. You told me to narrow it to top two. Oh, you because... could get, you could give me more. All right, all right. Because I, I just think there's, there's, <laughs> there's. In a sense, it's like soup, where it's yeah. like it is a comforting thing when it's cold out that just makes you feel good. Yes. N- noodles, man. Um. So for Taiwanese beef noodle soup, I really like Whole Foods. I think that is like oh, the for, best. okay. I know you. I, I thought you said Whole for a second. I was oh, like, no, 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 Whole Foods. No, food <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Village. They specialize in Taiwanese beef noodle yeah. soup, and that is the only noodle soup that they offer there. And that was the most authentic and best tasting beef noodle soup I've ever had in New York City. I don't it's mean also, to interrupt, but have you been to Eight Eight Six? Yes. Place. Yes, their food is also really good. They yeah. specialize in modern Taiwanese yeah. food. So the AA6 is actually the area code for Taiwan. And their food is really good. Yeah. Um, other but they they sometimes I don't think they always have the beef noodle soup there. No. Mm-hmm. And I've also never tried it yet. But another spot for Taiwanese well, I don't really consider it traditional Taiwanese beef noodle soup, but also amazing is very fresh noodles. Huh. They well, they make very fresh noodles, <laughs> so they're located in the Chelsea Market and highly recommend it. I've never had the spicy lamb one, but a lot of people say it's really good as well. But sometimes I don't do well with spicy, and I'm not always a big big fan of lamb, so I stick with the beef one. It's they're just like the, those are like the pulled noodles. Yeah, yeah so yeah. these are wide thin noodles that they hand pull. But other noodles I really like is, um, so back then I was not the biggest fan of udon noodles because they were just so thick and I wasn't really a fan of the the super, super thick, thick, thickness. But my recently favorite one is raku, mm. where it's not as thick. It's similar to, it's not, it's not like, feta, it's, I want to say it's similar to fettuccine, but a little bit thicker. Um, hot. I don't know if it's white height or whatever you want to call it, but just slightly thicker. Okay. And they they also make the noodles in house, and it was just all their soups there is just really good. So I had this beef one. It was called the Niku Udon, I believe. Um, Niku in Japanese, I believe, means beef. So it had like tripes and stuff. And have you ever gone to dim sum and gotten that stewed tripe dish that where they have like daikons mm. in it? That was exactly what it tasted like. And it was just, it was amazing. Hell yeah. Let's see, what other spots? Um, <laughs> those are definitely the top two that comes to mind. A lot of people like to go to Xi'an, fast, 
food. Yeah, there's, food. there's one by me now too, and they do those also, not just noodles, but they do those, they call them burgers almost, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, those flat sandwiches, yeah, those are delicious. Yeah, they call them like Chinese burgers. I really like the, oh, the pork ones. Yeah. They're so juicy. And they have a spicy lamb, yeah, I think. Yeah, cumin lamb, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But again, yeah. I, I'm, sometimes I'm not a big fan of lamb. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they do it pretty good. They do it pretty good, and they have so many locations now back in the days, thanks to Anthony Bourdain, he, when he first visited, yeah. he definitely blew them up. And that was a great background story to, to read about. Let me see what else. I think um, in terms of pho, um, Ooh, yeah. it's a bit rocky because, you know, it's not always going to be the greatest because we're in New York City. The Vietnamese population is not as big. But one of my classic places like No Frills would be Nha Trang in, on Baxter Street. Okay. Not to be confused with the one on center. Also, uh, people like Thai Sun for pho. Um, I recently went to pho bar and I got the short rib pho. Well, I got the lobster short rib one, but I think lobster the, it's like, whoa. yeah, it's like a surf and turf one, but it is beef broth. But I think the lobster is a bit excessive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, the short rib, oh man, it was like fall off the bone and Ooh, it was pretty yeah. amazing. I like that one too. Uh, what Dude, I am hungry right now. Out there? Um, I went to what is Pata Paplian for the boat noodles. Um, Julia and Nigel took me there, and it's only on the weekends. Like Thai boat noodles? Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah. Where say this one again? Um, Pata Paplian in Queens. Yeah, if you go on my Google Maps um, list, you can you'll be able to find. Whoa! It. Okay. <laughs> but literally, the bowls are like. You know, in Thailand, all everything is basically served small. Mm-hmm. So you just order as many as you want. Oh. Although the menu isn't Thai, though, so you just have to be like, what do you recommend? <laughs> and just go in blindly. <laughs> Whoa, there's not a lot of places that make boat noodles. Yeah, I've never had the... There's one restaurant, I forgot the name of it, but it's something boat noodles. Whoa. I haven't gotten to try that one yet. I forgot the name of it. All right. Well, I know I need to scour through your uh, <laughs> through your through your Excel sheet because this is awesome. Oh, no, the Google Maps now. Google Maps. Google Maps. Now. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Where, like, so I guess I'll bring this full circle. Where are you? Are you looking to take this somewhere? Is will this remain a hobby? Do you want to turn this into a career? What are you thinking? Um, I'm keeping it pretty open. I don't know. You know, you never know what happens. So mm. I'm keeping it open for now and. Just keeping it as a hobby, as a way to educate others and try to get them to try new things. Because, you know, if they see, if they tried like one thing that I liked to eat and they were like, oh, that was good. Or they try maybe even a handful of them. It's like, he has amazing taste. I I usually wouldn't try this place, but he said it was good. So I'm going to try it. And I just want people to broaden their horizon when it comes to food, because I will admit that. Sometimes my horizon's not as broad either, but if I don't know what's in it and I tried it and I liked it, then it's better to not know until afterwards. Like the first time I had sweetbreads, I literally did not know what sweetbreads Brains, <laughs> huh? Yeah. yeah, it's like um, it's like glands and stuff. So the first time I had it was fried at this place called Trafe and... You know, I ate it. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then later I went to Google at home. I was like, wow, I really ate that. <laughs> There's a, God, teacher, you will kill me. There's a um, a Vietnamese dish. Oh, man, what's the name? Uh, but it's cow brains. 
And you get I it. I don't at, think I've ever had that one. Oh, you get it, at, you know, like a padang style where you get like tons of different plates. Yeah. Um, they just line them up in front of you and you eat. Uh, I had that. It was amazing. Um, but then that, it, to get back to, to your response, that's a really, in a world where like self-promotion is everything, that's a really noble cause for doing what you do. I think that's cool. Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of underrepresented cuisines. Like when people think of Chinese food, I don't even, I think they just think of like the Americanized Chinese mm-hmm. food. I don't even think they know that there's more than one type of cuisine. I mean, I will admit that back then. I also thought the same way. I didn't eat, I didn't know that, you know, like there's Northern Chinese food. Um, Sichuan is only for being spicy and focusing on the Sichuan peppercorn. And when I grew up, I just ate whatever, you know, my family, whatever my family made or bought. So dim sum was very common for me. Mm. I don't speak Cantonese, but I know how to pronounce all the foods (laughs) when I I go to dim sum. (laughs) Yeah. So when I grew up, I actually, um, my background is Chinese, but I didn't speak Cantonese or Mandarin. So it was really hard for me to relate to... Growing up, mm. I had um, back, so I speak this dialect called Tiuzhou or Tiaju, which the population in New York City is basically non existent. Wow, okay. I speak the dialect, but when I go to California, it's definitely more well known or Montreal. I definitely have family friends who speak it. Definitely everyone in my family speaks it, but I've never ran into another Chinese person who's, who speaks it or if they, Maybe one or two that knows of it. Maybe their parents speak it. But it's not super, super common for me in New York City. I also grew up with um, a lot of Vietnamese and Cambodian background. Mm. And I also have relatives from like Thai and Laos. So I just had a very diverse background that it's hard for it to relate to people, especially when a lot of people, they they find, they relate to people by the language they speak. And when you... You know, nobody else or I don't speak their dialect. They don't speak mine. It's just hard to relate. So, Yeah, especially when you're a kid, huh? Yeah. Even now it's still, uh-huh. I feel like they look down on me when I, when like the elders and I don't, like if I'm in Chinatown or Flushing and I don't speak Mandarin or Cantonese. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's just the way I grew up. So I don't let it affect me as much anymore. That's interesting, man. I'm glad you shared that. I... Totally unrelated, but there's something that I forgot to ask you about. Do you know what Marktabak is? I don't think I do. I feel like I might have heard of it in passing. Okay. I think like this is a gold mine waiting to happen in New York. So in Indonesia, there's something called Marktabak. You got to roll is your R. Is that the dessert? Martabak. Yes, it can be. So it's either a sweet version. Uh-huh. Or a savory version. And it's just like layers of goodness. I mean, first of all, it's all oil and butter. Like when they make the savory, the sweet version, it's just sticks of butter. <laughs> but it's just layers and layers of goodness of like dough and chocolate. And it is like eating a brick. Yeah. it's. I feel like I definitely heard of it, but I've never had it. It's nowhere in New York. Right. But to me, the, the savory version actually, it's super greasy there's scallion in it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like flaky, like phyllo dough, but like like wet. Like it's it's crispy, but like you could squeeze it and the oil comes out. <laughs> but it is 
to me like the perfect drinking food for yeah. like late night sopping up whatever's in your stomach with this like really dense thing. Um, so I'll say to everyone, go if you have the ability to try Martabak, I don't know where. If you have the ability, try it. But also if anyone's out there that wants to like take a swing at making it, I could see just like a tiny little counter in New York mm-hmm. selling it to like the bar crowds at 2 a.m. Yeah. making a killing. And then I for Indonesian Americans who want to, <laughs> yeah, for Indonesian Americans who want that, you know, the, who are longing for home and want we it. I might because, just have to ask, um, hello, moon man to look into that. <laughs> holy, I can't remember. I have the worst memory, Brennan. I can't remember. I must have asked him about it when, cause he came on the podcast a while back. Mm-hmm. Um, but just wasn't sure if you had come across it in your travels. Yeah, I definitely came across it. Def- may possibly in passing on the internet, but mm. never in person. Yeah, YouTube it, people. Because M A R T A Marta B A K. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right, man. How how can people find you and all the stuff we've been talking about? Um, on Instagram, they can follow me at Eating with Blim, and I'm very. I open all the DMs, and if you have any questions, I'm willing to answer all of them because I want you to get the solution, and I want you to be aware of all the everything and everything that's happening in the culinary world. I just feel like I wish there was more of certain cuisines in New York City, but you know, if there's not the population for it or the demand, then it probably won't. But I wish there was more awareness for cuisines like Laotian. Like when you mentioned Laos, I was like, oh, he knows about Laos. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Because some people, they actually don't. One place in all of Manhattan. For right? Laos. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Kio. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's and then, literally one. And then Cambodian. I know if you know Manila, South Amavong, he does I Eat Lao Food. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like a pop-up. Yep, pop-up. Mm-hmm. But... Those two are, that's it for New York. Yeah. And Cambodian, there's like, I think it's just called Angkor. Angkor, yep. Yeah, there's only one Cambodian. But there's also recently at the, um, not Kanao Street Market, um, Queen's Night Market, Cambodia Now, which um, Ooh, they have a few pop-ups where they also serve Cambodian food. Ooh. They sell um, fish amok, which is yep. like this fish oh, steam curry dish, which is amazing. They have um, the popular... Um, beef shish kebabs yeah. where in the Bronx actually there's a pretty decent population of Cambodians so back in the days they would always like barbecue it up at grill and um, are they only at, at the, the night market Cambodian now? Um, yeah right now they're at this pop up called Hello Panda Festival where it's like a lantern festival thing at City Field I don't exactly Whoa. know how long they're vending there but I hear I, I saw that they're also there but yeah I wish there was more like, definitely, if you go to Long Beach, California, you can find a lot of Cambodian restaurants. Cool. And I think if you go to S- San Francisco, there's some Laotian restaurants. So I wish there was more of that in New York City because, you know, I grew up eating it. And sometimes you don't want to cook. <laughs> People should check out, too. I don't know the pronunciation. I've talked to her a bit. We're think, um, I'm thinking we might do one in the future here, but... Um, it's K-R-E-U-N-G Cambodia, so like Krung Cambodia. Oh, yeah, She Krung. does pop-ups. Um, yeah. and different events and things like that. So you should check her out too. Yeah, so that in Cambodia is like the lemongrass paste that they use to flavor most oh. of their foods. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. So everybody, just like he's talking about, like the way you get more demand for places like that is you patronize the places. Yeah. So um, go check out his recommendations that you just heard on the podcast. 
go check out his uh, his lists, his curated places to go. And it's on Google, so it's always updating. Yeah, super easy. Mm-hmm. Awesome, man. Hey, you're the man. This was awesome. Thank you. Thanks I appreciate for you. Me. Yeah. Um, Maybe we'll do it again in a year or so after we've uh, got some new places under our belt, huh? <laughs> oh, for, for, I'm always up for it. You know, I'm really, really into food, so I get over, I get overexcited sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, that's awesome. Um, cool. So everyone, go check him out. Go to the show notes for this episode. You will find everything we just talked about, the Instagram. Um, yeah, man. Cheers. Thanks. And don't ever be afraid to reach out if you have any questions about anything and everything because I'm always willing to answer All right, do it, people. Peace. That is a wrap on episode number 137 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Thank you to all of you Voyagers out there for tuning in. Thank you to Brandon for joining me on this episode of TV TV. Everybody, I will likely talk to you again, but if not, have a happy holiday season. And we'll see you nice and strong in... 2020. Thanks again for listening. And as always, please take care of each other. Until next time.